Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about micronutrients. I don't care what crop you're raising, or even if we're talking about your lawn, your shelter belt, anything, micronutrients are incredibly important. If you've got any questions for us about that, or anything that's going on in your farm, We'd love to visit with you. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show today. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so we'll get to the agphd mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I will just say with micronutrients, they're called micronutrients not because they aren't important. They are very important. But you need them in small quantities. So when we start talking about N, P, and K, I mean, you literally could use hundreds of pounds per acre depending on your yield goal. But when we start talking about these micros, things like boron, copper, iron, manganese, zinc, it might take a tenth of a pound for your crop for an entire year, maybe a pound. So here's the good news. And I realize you're probably pretty sensitive to costs this year, which we all are. Fertilizer costs are higher, just like almost everything is higher versus a year or two ago. But with micronutrients, you don't have to spend a lot of dollars to get the level on your farm to where it needs to be. And part of the reason why this is so important is because these micronutrients have an impact on almost every stage in your crop, all the way from emergence to flowering to just even developing the ear on, a, on corn, for example, or, or developing any seed that there is. So you want to make sure you have good micronutrient levels out there and have things in balance in your soil. So we'll talk about that throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! All right, Brian, we got a question that came in. This is from Jeff in Olivia, Minnesota. He said, guys, I'm going to be spraying Roundup and Liberty, I'm sorry, Roundup and Lotus on a cornfield. And he sent a picture of the field here. Uh, so I'm spraying Roundup and Lotus. And I'm also going to be spraying my sugar beet fields that have an oat cover crop. I'm going to use Roundup along with Stinger and Nortron. Now, my question here is nozzle selection and volume. I know you guys like Roundup to be more concentrated droplets, like 10 gallons per acre. However, with this vegetation, uh, I get quite a bit of vegetation out there. Should I change up my nozzle and my spray volume? I usually use the AI XR nozzles, 12 and a half gallons on my corn. But with all the proso millet I get out in that cornfield, I'm thinking of switching to the XR flat fans and running more gallons. On the beets, I would go with regular old XR flat fans to get adequate coverage and probably bump from 12 and a half to 14 or 15 gallons. Yeah, I think Jeff sent us the same question last week and we talked about it then. So I'll, I'll tell you the same thing that I said back then. For me, I want smaller spray droplets typically when I'm spraying anything that is a contact killer. When it's not, a, so by contact killers, I'm talking Liberty, Gramoxone, Bucktrol, Bassagran. For all those, if you don't coat the plant, you do not get control. When we start talking about things that move in the plant, Roundup, Loudest Stinger, I'm fine with all those, where you don't have to have the smallest spray droplet in the world, okay? So 
I'm not saying you have to necessarily go to enormously huge spray droplets like you do with that Camba, but something maybe in between would be fine with me. In terms of the water volume, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm just a big proponent of any time Roundup's in that tank, I want 10 gallons of water or less. Plus the fact that I, I like every other farmer out there, doesn't love to haul water around. So if if you can go with lesser water, that's great. So, you know, just looking at this picture here and seeing, yep, there are some spots of proso millet, but am I that worried about getting coverage on it? Everything looks tiny to me, like really small. So I... I yeah, you're doing a good thing I by feel, getting after it on the early right, side. Right, right. So I feel good about your Roundup and Liberty, or sorry, Roundup yes. and Lauda situation. Okay, but when you go to beets and you've got oats as a cover crop, well, now I could understand maybe wanting to bump that water volume a little bit. And here's the other way to look at this thing. When you've already got Stinger and Nortron in that tank, is Roundup the main weed killer you have out there? No, it's not. So the other thing is Roundup is very good on grasses. And if you say, well, all I'm after is grass, and I've, I've put a really high rate of Roundup in there already to kill grass, well, fine, then it's not going to really hurt anything if you go from 10 gallons to 15 gallons to the acre. That in that situation might be okay just because you have so much so much foliage out there, so much, so much vegetation out there in that, that sugar beet area. Oh, one other thing, be really careful because, as you know, sugar beets are very sensitive to certain herbicides like Laudis, so you want to make sure you're cleaning your spray tank out very, very well. Absolutely, and with Laudis, bleach actually, uh, believe it or not, works pretty good as part of that process. Okay, uh, I got this one from uh, Chibeza down in Zambia, Southern Africa, and he said, guys, I'm sending you my soil soil test results uh, from Zambia. You guys could please look at them. I'm growing corn, and I'm growing... Soybeans. I was like, wait a second. He didn't say soybeans. Yes, he did. I'm growing corn and soybeans on my farm. Just curious what you think if you see some things on my soil test that you would do to improve my results and also just any overall tips on corn and soybeans that I should be looking into. Did you look at these already, Darren? No, I did not, Brian. He sent quite a few. I've just given you a small portion. Yeah. I mean, my problem is... So here's I, what's I've, interesting, uh, Chabeza, ahead. is there's, there's just always a lot of different... Um, types of readings and, and where to find all the information that we're looking for. So uh, we've, we've got a little bit more information on the soil test that we're running here, but we'll just work with what you got. You got NP and K, you got organic matter, and it uh, looks like you got a recommendation but, here for lime. So you've yeah, got pH and Yeah, but it doesn't change. tell us the actual levels, does it? Am I missing this? Where? Yeah, I mean, it says actual amount need. I, I have to assume that's what we'd like to have in the soil, but... I, I, and I'm guessing that is not what's in there already, but maybe that actually, you know what, maybe that isn't what's in there already. I can't yeah. really tell. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it after this break. Yeah, the, the soil tests are important. I think that's great. And knowing exactly where you're at on each of these nutrients is, is really the first step to managing nutrients just a little bit better. We'll talk about that and we'll get into our discussion on micronutrients coming up right after this. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. 
This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. At Ag PhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. We're going to be talking a little about micronutrients on the show. And again, if you'd like to give us a call, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. So right before the break, we were talking about the soil tests from Zambia. And my problem is I don't have any, any numbers. The only numbers that are on this test are what the crop would actually need based on the yield goal. And then I simply have a high, adequate, or low level for pH, or, uh, organic carbon, it says, total nitrogen, phosphorus on a malic 3, potassium, and it says the exchange in potassium, and then cation exchange capacity. That doesn't really tell me anything because that's their measure of high, adequate, or low, not necessarily mine. So what I'm looking for in a soil test is I want to see the actual numbers. What do I have? What is my soil pH? What is my organic matter level in the soil? My cation exchange capacity? What are my true numbers on N, P, and K? But besides that, our topic today is micronutrients. So I want to see what the levels are for boron, for copper, for iron, for manganese, and zinc. I also want to see the secondary nutrients, sulfur, magnesium, and I, 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 and, uh, and calcium. But we don't have that here. So I, 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 I just don't have enough information, unfortunately, to even give you an answer. But if you can get, some, get us some more data, we're more than happy to talk about your soil tests anytime. And quite frankly, for, for anybody listening today... If you ever want us to take a look at your soil tests, we're more than happy to. Darren and I look at soil tests, uh, we look at a lot of them every day, and we can hopefully help guide you toward where you need to go in terms of soil fertility so it can help your crop moving forward. All right, so again, we're talking micronutrients today, and first on the show, we got Ryan Harbison with us. He is with AgriLiquid. Ryan, how are you today? Doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? Excellent. All right, so we're talking about micronutrients, and let me just ask you this. You're, you're from Indiana. What are the top one or two micronutrients that most corn and soybean farmers in your state are interested in talking about? 
Well, so I'm actually Southern Illinois, Southern Indiana area down there, and probably oh, okay. the biggest one is zinc. Um, that that's probably the main one that we look at more than anything anymore. Zinc followed by a lot of boron on soybeans anymore. So why the boron on soybeans? I mean, that to me is we've heard the zinc thing for thirty years, but but boron on soybeans, not a lot of people have been talking about that. So why are people talking about it in your area? So what we've been seeing down here is by incorporating boron in at the at the early reproductive stages. You know, we're we're able to help these plants metabolize some of the herbicides that we're putting out there now, and we're we're keeping more blooms on and really kind of pushing that plant into that sexual reproduction. Gotcha. Back, I'll call it in the old days when we used to talk to farmers a lot about cobra. We had a lot of people using cobra prior to Roundup Ready crops coming out. And yep. one of the ways that we safened, well, I'll call it, cobra onto that plant was by using a pound and a quarter of solubor. So soluble boron, that's what we used to use back then. How much boron d- do you feel it takes for a lot of these guys to make that herbicide a little safer and then do what you say, I- increase the bloom and all that kind of thing? So, I mean, honestly, we're, we're looking at about a pint of 5% boron. You know, sure. it, it's not... It's, I've heard you guys say before, it's not that they uh not important, but it's we need small amounts, right? right. And so by just that small amount, you know, we, we're seeing big return on investment when we do that. Okay, let's come back to zinc. How how do you encourage a farmer to manage that? Because our our challenge is once you get past planting since zinc doesn't move very well in soil, applications onto the soil a lot of times just don't pay. So what 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 do you find works for you once you get in season with zinc? Anything? So in season with zinc, you know, with, with honestly, it comes back to placement, right? So we do a little bit of foliar stuff with zinc, and, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the right or wrong way to go, but we see returns with that, but also a wide drop application. If you have that available to you, laying it right there at the root to where you know, we're, we're not fighting through a whole bunch of soil to try to get down to the root where we need to be uptaken. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a good method that we use in this area that, uh, is catching, catching on more and more. All right. Let me ask you one other question. It's manganese. There have been a lot of people talking about manganese here over the last few years. Some think that Roundup's just tying it up. My contention is, well, we just don't have much in the soil because people haven't been putting manganese out there. So do you have anybody doing manganese, whether it's at plant or foliar or any kind of side dress? I I mean, what can you tell us about manganese? So one of the programs we we run pretty often on, on soybeans is whenever we come over foliar, if we're doing a herbicide pass, you know, we, we want that boron and manganese in there. And then whenever we're coming back later, we're, we're taking the boron out because we're past bloom, but we're still putting that manganese in there to help with that cell structure and, and just the overall health of the plant and, and just making a better bean. All right, Ryan, anything else you wanted to leave us with today when we're talking about micronutrients in crops? No, you guys have mentioned it before, you know, uh, lo- looking at a tissue test. Don't be scared to go out and pull a tissue test and, and really use that as a guide more than anything to, to help you make decisions in, in upcoming years on your crop. Again, we've been talking with Ryan Harbison. He's with AgriLiquid over in southern Illinois in Indiana. Ryan, thanks for the time today. really appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. All right. Next on the show, we got Jared calling in. Jared, how are you today? I'm pretty warm today, out soil sampling, but I'm doing all right otherwise. Yourself, Brian? Not too bad. I hear you get a question about side-dressing urea and stabilizer. 
Yeah, we've I've had a couple of growers ask me this over the past couple of days and just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything, but they're, they're starting with 130 uh, base pounds of nitrogen ahead of the ahead of the crop before planting, and they're thinking about spending on urea over the top. Yep. I, I just don't know how comfortable I am advising people to do that because my concern is there's no rain in the forecast now for the next 14 days. We're looking at 98% humidity, record temperatures, and I'm worried about corn burn and about nitrogen going up into the air even with the stabilizer. Jared, two things I'll tell you. One, uh, my wife's uncle's a trainer for the National Weather Service, and he's told me once you're past seven days out, it's a 50-50 guess. No one knows. Don't let anybody ever tell you that they do. They do not. So to say 14 days out, we have no rain in the forecast, I don't know. You know just as well as I do or just as well as any forecaster in the world. Seven days, though, that's a little scary to me with urea because what they found in studies is you got about 48 hours. If you don't get rain in 48 hours or use a stabilizer, you are going to start to lose some. So it absolutely makes sense to me why you would want to put a stabilizer with it. Now, my concern, too, I, I personally will never put urea over the top of my corn crop. I just don't like the burn. If you're going to do it, I would always suggest you can't do it when there's any amount of dew on that plant. You want to make sure the plant's super dry, so at least hopefully most of the urea doesn't end up in the whirl. It drops down to the soil. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I think you're you're dead on. If it's me, I, I don't know. I, I'll just say this. On our farm, we're running through the same thing right now. We're going to be side dressing probably starting, I don't know, maybe Saturday or Monday. We're doing it with coulters. Because I'm I'm so concerned yeah. that we don't have rain in the forecast for the next seven days. That that's what I felt much better about was just going at, going out there with UAN versus uh, urea yep. this, this time of year. I felt that'd be the much better option right now. Yeah, but, but I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing. Anything. No, it's just you're going to get some pushback from from some guys, I assume, because right now the urea price, at least in our area, is quite a bit cheaper than that liquid nitrogen price. So I, I assume that's where some of the questions may be coming from. Guys are saying, well, I'd like to go with a cheaper choice. Yeah. As Randy Downey said, I, if I wrote it down right one time, we can't, we can't save our way into prosperity. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we got to invest in this crop, I think. Yep, yep, we do. But I would say again, you know, if you want to use a stabilizer, that absolutely can help. And then we're just going to pray for rain for you once you get past that seven-day mark or sooner. How about that? <laughs> I could use rain for a day off. I know that much. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for the call, Jared. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you very much. You bet. We do talk a lot about nitrogen application in season. And I think it's getting much more popular now where growers are looking at sulfur and realizing how much more sulfur we need to be adding in season. And the other one that's... Sulfur that's getting, can help stabilize nitrogen as well. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's that's not a bad thing. And then we also talk about some of the micronutrients, boron being one of them, that, that we need some in-season applications, especially in lighter soils and heavier rainfall climates. So we'll talk more about that and other micronutrients coming up right after this listening to Ag PhD Radio. Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil hidden in tough to reach spaces. 
With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attach to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. Today on the show, we're talking a little about micronutrients, and next on the show, we got our good friend Kevin Matthews with us. He is with Extreme Ag over in North Carolina. Kevin, how are you today? I can't complain. Cutting a little wheat today. Sounds like you got some activity going on there in the background. Yeah, in the combine as we speak. (laughs) How are the yields? Uh, These right here, where we're at, is running right at 90. Not bad. So how was your your year in terms of weather? I, I mean, was that kind of what you were expecting based on the weather? Where I mean, is do you yeah, feel that's... Yeah, we, we, we had a good dry May, and that's what it takes a dry May to grow a good soft red winter wheat crop here in the Carolinas. And uh, so we can, we had the dry May, and uh, wasn't so hot, so pretty good, pretty good. Good test weights, uh, following numbers is good for milling quality. Um Typically, a 70 bushel yield is 
you're very happy with, and we're probably going to be in the 80 bushel average for the whole farm. Oh, good. So that's, that's always nice. So will you double crop to soybeans or something now? Yep, yep. We're we're on the dry side. We're needing a shower of rain, and once we get that, the soybean planters will be right behind us, and typically the planters are usually in the same field with you, so you're cutting and harvesting all at the same time. Okay, so a lot of our listeners just raise one crop per year like we do on our farm. That's all we have growing season for. But let me ask you this question. When you're when you're raising two crops like that, do you fertilize twice per year? Do you fertilize once per year for the first crop and then hopefully leave enough for the second crop? Or how do you do it? Well, traditionally, that's a great question. Traditionally, everyone always taught, you know, hey, put enough fertilizer out for your wheat to cover for your soybeans. Sure. And what we've actually found is we go ahead and run our fertility program for soybeans just like we do our full season. So we are fertilizing for our wheat crop, and we're also fertilizing for our soybean crop. And we pick up about 10 bushels of soybeans by doing that. Wow. And it's quite rewarding. Our lowest yielding soybeans are always our double crop. Because they're planted so late, and, you know, you don't get to capture summer solstice like you do with our early plantings. Sure. So 10 bushels is a big deal. Definitely. Yeah, especially this year with the way prices are. So talking about that fertility program, our topic today is micronutrients. Which micronutrients are most important for you when we talk about wheat and soybeans in these two crops that uh, that you at least are going to have in that field you're in right now today? Yeah. Well, you know, sulfur is always huge, and and then boron. Um, we actually on our wheat, we run a product from Finish Line or from Nature's called Finish Line, and then we have uh, also used the Micro 500 from AgriLiquids. We found both those products to be very user friendly, and we seem to keep our all of our nutrient levels at a at a good good place for. Uh, just an average farm yield. You know, we're not trying to set a world record or anything right here. We're just wanting to make money and be profitable. So what's what's your timing on wheat then? When do you put out the micronutrients in wheat? We've done this on this particular farm with um, our fungicide okay. program. When we put our fungicide out and we done, we used um, a Maribus Ace, because we have head scab so bad. And so we did that just at flowering, about about 10 to 20% flowerings when we done that. Sure. And um, that works really good because you can mix them with a pass. It's not an extra pass. And uh, then uh, now when we're putting our nitrogen out, we always add the uh, solubore, which is a boron product we put in with our liquid nitrogen. Yep. And then we every pass we use sulfur. I mean, every time if we put out nitrogen, we're putting out sulfur. Sure. How about on soybeans? What what micronutrients are you usually thinking about with, with soybeans? So, uh, well, I'll just tell you, we we do use the finish line and we use the micro five hundred. And at planting, we run a uh, basically a two point nine seventeen. I mean, a 2.917.21 product, and we add molybdenum, and we add uh, boron, and then we uh, actually add a little bit of manganese in with that. 
and we put that at, in a tube of two, uh, two inches off on each side of the row. Yep. We try to get it about two inches in the ground, but it's kind of hard to do sometimes. Yeah, we, I, I had failed to mention molybdenum yet today, but it's really important, especially with a lot of the legume crops like soybeans and alfalfa. Okay, just one last quick question for you, Kevin. How about corn? What's the number one micronutrient you usually think about with corn? Uh, corn, uh, I mean, sulfur and boron. I, I mean, you know, you're, you're right there on it all day long. Yeah. I don't believe you can get to it. Well, Chad Henderson says you can get too much, but <laughs> uh, he, he can get pretty wild with it. But uh, but absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're, they're just essential. I mean, you know, the law's a minimum. Whatever whatever the minimum is, is, is your holdup. And, yeah. uh, you know, you got to address it. Whatever fits your environment, your area, that's you need to be focused on. We've been talking with Kevin Kevin Matthews. He's a farmer out in North Carolina and a member of the Extreme Ag Group. Kevin, thanks a lot for the time today. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sorry for the background noise. <laughs> uh, no problem at all. We understand you're busy. All right, let's go right back to the phone lines. we got John calling in from Illinois. John, I hear you have some volunteer corn in your cornfields. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get your opinion. What, sure. what do you think? Um, is it worth the, is it worth our time? I, I know I know weather's going to play a big factor on it. Yep. Um, plus, we got I found a twelve row cultivator. You know, mm-hmm. I, I you know I got I got I got to invest by a nat. Um, what do you think? Uh, so the reason why you're calling is it must be pretty bad, right? It is in places. It is man. We got about four hundred acres. We we had a terrible wind, plus a drought last fall. Uh, you know, yep. last summer. Yep. yep. And and you know we you know we had a lot of down corn. Yeah. And we got a full. We got about four hundred acres. That it, it's it, it's pretty tough. Sure. I I hate to say it, but it probably is worth it. We are pretty lucky on our farm we don't have much we have just a little bit of corn volunteer corn in our cornfields and i i've been debating about the same thing i mean it's just a a few little spots uh, anyway it's a long story but but uh, i probably have a grand total of 20 or 40 acres that i'm concerned about not 400 so 400 if, if it's me i'm probably getting that cultivator and i'm probably going to run it here's the other advantage you have versus what i do we don't typically have as much rain as you do in illinois and i worry a, a little about drying out the soil because you said drought from last year we've we had a pretty severe drought for a couple of years We've gotten halfway right, right. amount of rain this year, but you know the this next week it's supposed to be 100 degrees and no rain in the forecast. So I'm going, boy, uh, do I really want to cultivate right now? I mean, fortunately the crop's pretty small and everything, so I, I'm not too worried about it. It's probably going to turn out fine, and that's probably what we're going to do too: is do a little cultivation out there because there's really nothing much else you can do. Now I will say this: moving forward, John, here's something for you to think about. There is enlist corn now. And with the enlist corn, you can kill volunteer corn. Let's say it was volunteer Roundup Ready corn or whatever, Smart Stacks or something. You can kill that with a Sure 2. That's labeled in enlist corn. It won't hurt the enlist corn, but it will kill volunteer corn that was Roundup Ready or anything that didn't have that enlist trait. So in the future, that could be an option if this same type of thing happens again. I mean, let's pray that it doesn't. But if it does, you could always go to that. Right, right, and yeah, and that's the thing. Our, our window, you know, if we're going to do this, we got to do it 
soon because right. you know the corn's really growing. Yep. In, in another another five five six days, we're not going to get through it. Nope. You know. Nope. And the other thing is, it's going to be a lot harder to take that volunteer corn out. It's easier when it's small. Right. Yep. Okay, well, yeah, sorry, John, that you got that issue. Hopefully the cultivation will help you out there. I know it's a tough debate, but, yeah, if it was me, I probably would do it. And, uh, again, we'll, we'll hope for the best for you. No more massive winds this year. Hopefully that corn will stand a little better this year. Oh, sure. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> yep, we don't need another year like that. <laughs> no. No, thank you. Uh, you bet. Good luck out there, John. All right, stay tuned. We're going to continue talking micronutrients and get to more of your questions coming up next. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, joined by my brother Darren. We are broadcasting today from the Morton studio, just talking a little about micronutrients. And next on the program, we've got our friend Alan Perry with us. He is with Farm Technologies Network out in the state of Maine. Alan, how are things going out in Maine today? Hey, we're having a really nice day. It's 75 and sunny. It uh, couldn't be much better. That sounds perfect. So which, which crops, like in the area that you're in, in Maine, I, I, I assume a lot of our listeners are not super familiar with agriculture there in Maine, nor am I. So what crops are in your immediate area there? Uh, well, closest to home, uh, we've got about 50,000 acres of potatoes uh, for three or four different markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, small grains, mostly barley and oats, uh, in rotation, uh, a few sunflowers uh, to go with that. But we've also got the world's largest uh, wild blueberry production just south of us. We've got a bunch of apples uh, south of us and and some livestock farms in the southern part of the state. So really quite a few different things. Okay, so we haven't talked about any of those crops so far today. Talk to us a little about micronutrients when you start discussing potatoes, barley, oats, sunflowers, blueberries, apples, any of those. I mean, which, whichever one you want to pick, what kind of stands out to you when we talk micronutrients for any of those crops? Well, uh, I guess because of where we are, uh, east of the Mississippi River and as close to the Atlantic as you can get almost, uh, boron is one of the things we are lacking here. Uh, It's water-soluble. We've been farming New England for a lot of years, and so we are fairly depleted on uh, on boron. And it's fairly critical for potatoes, uh, for internal integrity of the crop. Uh, for getting the grains to fill out on the small grain crops, and certainly uh, with the internal quality of apples uh, critical. In terms of internal quality of apples, can you explain that just a little bit more? What do you mean by that? Well, uh, I know uh, many people uh, may not have been to an apple orchard, but they've been to the grocery store and they've uh, purchased apples, certainly. Uh, Sometimes the center of an apple will be kind of uh, corky or soft, not quite the same texture as the rest of the apple. Uh, And that's generally a symptom of boron deficiency. Um, And it's either a case of lack of calcium or lack of boron or perhaps both, but uh, getting those two things right uh, is what you need to get that fixed. Interesting. All right, so how about blueberries? We rarely talk about blueberries on this show, but what are the what are the top maybe one or two micronutrients that you think of when it comes to blueberries? Well, um our blueberries are a little bit unique, but uh, this will uh, apply to even the uh, cultivated blueberries of other states. Uh, ours are wild, and so they are a little bit reluctant to put much on them be- for fear of interfering with that label called wild, untre- unmanaged. Gotcha. But uh, for blueberries, copper uh, for the blue color is uh, quite critical. Um, and, and manganese to get the, the size and the juiciness of the fruit. Um, when we work on uh, um, zinc levels, again, it helps with the storability. So all of those trace minerals come into play with blueberries. Yeah, it's interesting. We had a call just a couple of days ago from 
someone out in California just asking about, well, how can I get non-GMO stuff? Because these GMO things, you know, he he said it wasn't tasting good or wasn't uh, uh, texture wasn't right. And I said, it could be the GMO thing. I seriously doubt it, though. I'm guessing it's some nutrient. And so I'm glad you explained that. Copper for the blue color in the blueberries, manganese for size and juiciness, zinc for storability. I mean, so many of these things, well, it doesn't take much copper, manganese, or zinc. If you don't have it, you absolutely see the impact later on in the season. Absolutely. Uh, One of the analogies I sometimes use to get farmers kind of uh, a picture in their mind is sort of like the forklift in a warehouse. Uh, You might ship 10 loads a day, but you don't put a forklift on each load and ship it out of the warehouse. You you only need one forklift, but if you don't have it, everything kind of gets stopped up. And that's kind of like the boron in the, in the program. You don't need a lot, but you need it to make everything work. All right. How about the, the potatoes in your region? If you're talking to potato growers, which, which of the micronutrients do they usually have big concerns on? Well, uh, it depends a little on the time of the year. Early on, we're anxious to make sure our boron levels are good so that we have good internal quality on the potato tubers. Mm -hmm. But uh, when we get later in the season, we've got full foliage, the days get shorter, uh, we get more uh, moisture issues, then late blight becomes a a big issue for us. And so uh, copper, zinc, and manganese, and sulfur, um, we use those in combinations uh, to make sure that we have good fungus control. As, as far as the copper, are you getting fungicidal activity by spraying it foliar then, or you're just talking about having copper at a higher level for better disease tolerance inside the plant? We'll do a little bit of both, but certainly if I have a soil level that's deficient in copper, I'm going to have a real hard time to, to fight fungus off with foliar alone. But if I can get my soil copper levels in line, then a little help certain times to battle the weather, uh, we have awfully good luck with control that way. How high do you like your copper levels? Well, uh, excellent on our soil test would be 5 to 10 parts per million. Uh, we certainly will be nervous if we get below 3 parts per million. Um, what we figure minimum is kind of around 5 parts per million. Um, but, you know, 2, 3, 4 parts per million, you've got to pay attention and then use some foliars. So do you find that to be true with other crops as well, or with potatoes? Is that where you need the highest level of copper? Well, uh, we would treat uh, other crops in a similar fashion if we have a history of, of mold issues. Sure. White mold on sunflowers can be an issue. There's certainly some fungus diseases that bother the grain crops, even though it's not quite so obvious. Um, we're going to look at that soil test, and if we start seeing copper levels that are very low, we know we're, we're susceptible to that, and we'll start putting a program together to try to help us. Weather can can either make it worse or make it better. So um, we watch that as well. We have a lot of sunflower producers in the Dakotas, especially this year. Uh, A lot of people are looking at that particular crop. And white mold is perhaps the number one issue for many of them, other than birds, of course. So you're finding that copper, if you have good copper levels in the soil, you're having less white mold. 
Well, the the uh, best example I think I have of that is uh, some sunflowers I worked on last summer in Germany. Yep. Uh, they had come to me after using all the standard fungicides they had and just weren't getting any relief from their white mold. Uh, and I put together a foliar spray that had a combination of zinc, manganese, and copper all in one spray. Yep. Uh, they sprayed it Saturday, and they said Monday they had killed the, the white mold. So that was quite effective. I, I don't know how to explain what they did or didn't do with their traditional fungicides, but, uh, of course, most fungicides are built around sulfur, copper, manganese, and zinc. So I didn't do anything too abnormal, but the dosage may have been better. I don't know. Uh, awesome. That's an interesting story, Alan. We got about 30 seconds left here. Anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with when it comes to micronutrients? Well, I think because you're talking to such a large group, it's important to understand that what works for us here in northern Maine is a little different than people west of the Mississippi. Uh, the further west you go, the better your boron levels are. Uh, certainly the kind of crop that you grow and the weather that you're uh, experiencing all have to come into play. But I think one of the reasons we've been so successful over the years is our soil test gives us such a good guide so we can be aggressive and accurate on trace mineral usage. There they're expensive, and we want to try to get it right. We've had Alan Perry on the show several times before, and it's always an interesting conversation. Again, it's Alan Perry. He's with Farm Technologies Network out in Maine. Alan, thanks for the time. That was fantastic stuff. Look forward to having you on the show again, hopefully in the future. Thank you. We're talking about micronutrients on today's Ag PhD radio show and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton... To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. 
what does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Got this one from Kevin in New Jersey, Brian, and I'm going to test your herbicide knowledge chops. Are you ready? Uh, All right. All right, I've got a three-year rotation here. And Kevin said, I'll try to make this as short as I can, oh, but I got to give me the, the, give me the three crops. Got to give you the stats. He said, I've, I've got my current situation. I have stunted soybeans along headlands and in field corners that looks like it matches up with a sprayer overlap. Now, here's my rotation 2020, I had pumpkins, <laughs> 2021, okay. corn. Okay. And 2022 soybeans, obviously. So here's the background. My soil is a 7 to a 12 CEC. Mm-hmm. So it's it's light to medium. Uh, he said, I get 45 to 60 inches annual rainfall here in New Jersey. I do minimal tillage. My pH is low to mid sixes pretty much everywhere. So it's about ideal, a little bit acidic. So here's my, here's my herbicides I used. On the pumpkins in 2020... I used Strategy, which is a premix of Sunland and Command, spiked in a little bit more Command, and used Gramoxone Pre, did no post, and did a Roundup burn down later. So everything should be gone from 2020. And even if it wasn't, it's not going to hurt the beans at all. Okay. Then in 2021, I used a quart and a half of Acuron. I used a quart of Atrazine on top of that, pre-emerge. Okay. And then I use 3.6 pints of Halex GT post. So what do you see from that that's going to cause some issues? Looks like a lot of HPPD to me. Looks like a lot of atrazine to me. Yep. A lot so of atrazine, a lot of HPPD. Yep. Okay. And then here's the here's kind of the kicker in my mind. In his soybeans this year, he used a premix uh, that contains Authority, Dual, or Metolachlor, and metribuzin. So we've got sulfentrazone, metri- metolachlor, and metribuzin. Uh, oh, and when did he use the dual? Pre? Pre-plant. Uh, and or okay. pre-emerge, depending on timings. Well, either way, it's before the beans came up, and I don't like that. So that's hard on the beans, number one. Yeah, if you're doing reduced tillage and you're laying <laughs> sulfentrazone or authority or spartan, however you want to call it, and metolachlor or dual or any of the generics, you add those two together... It does add a lot of burn, 
and we do see more burn than just using sulfentrazone alone or just burn. Using, what are you talking about burn? I'm not uh, worried about the burn. S- splash up on the crop. Ah, uh, in minimum till you don't see that much. I'm not that worried about that. That part doesn't bother me. I don't mind the being. He I, said stunted. Yep. So stunted, stunted to me means something different. Stunted than to me means burn. the HPPD and the atrazine from last year. That's. <laughs> And don't forget, metribuzin is in the same chemical family as atrazine. So when you already have an overload of atrazine and then you throw metribuzin on it, the metribuzin can't get properly broken down in the plant, can't get properly now, metabolized. the good thing is we've got lower pH soil but and wait, lots I, of wait, rainfall. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't get, I didn't get the rate. you, you got to give me the rates. Okay, what rate of do or what rate of metribuzin? Well, this year I'm not sure because it's 2.7 pints per acre of the premix. So just a second. Let me see if I can find that. Okay. Well, you're working on that and figuring out how much metribuzin it is. I will just tell our, our listeners on the Acuron and what we've got there. So in a pint and a half of Acuron, it's not like it's that much atrazine. It's uh, about 0.37, 0.38 pounds per acre. But then you've got that one quart of atrazine also, which is a pound. So you're at almost 1.4 pounds of atrazine from the year before. And our limit typically is a half a pound. That's usually what we like. So in my book, you got too much atrazine. And you can a lot of times see that when the plants are dropping leaves off at the very bottom of the plant. You'll see some stunting, but you can see where the leaves will, the, the lower leaves of the plant will drop off. That typically will indicate an overdose of metribuzin or a carryover issue with atrazine. Okay, and then beyond that, I, I guess I I just say with the HPPD that you got in there, I'm not super worried about it, but you're it's pushing it because you're already at three ounces. So in Acuron, if you're if you went a quart and a half, you got roughly two point nine ounces of Callisto, which is about the full rate of three. Plus you got the bicyclopyrone that's in the Acuron. Plus, like we said, you've got 1.4 pounds of atrazine, which is more than I'd ever use or ever recommend going to corn. Plus then this spring we did dual, which is, I don't like pre-emerge. That can stunt the plants a little bit, just all on its own without any carryover issue from last year. Plus you got metribuzin. Two now, tenths, two what do tenths you got of a pound. Two tenths of a pound. Oh, okay. On metribuzin this yep. year, two tenths of a pound. Okay. Well, yeah. that is a low rate. So that probably, if it, if it added to the atrazine, it sure didn't add much. And how about the dual? Any idea on on rate on that? It can't be a whole lot. It's got it's got to be a pretty low rate when that combo thing was two point seven pints. Yeah, yeah, it's so. it's well within the labeled rate. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's not labeled, and I'm not saying it's going to cause major problems usually. But when I've already got HPPD, I'm pushing it. Atrazine on carryover, I'm really pushing it. Well, then adding the dual pre and the metribucin pre may put us a little over the top. But here's the thing. Is it that or is it something else? So did he give us any other information? Do we have soil tests? Do we know salt? Did we put manure on? Um, how was it planted? What, I mean, was was there a, well, it's was there a crusting? Nope, doesn't um, say that. But he's, you know, his questions I, here, his follow-up question, what part of our corn bean program is beating these soybeans up? How long can we continue to use Acuron as our pre at a half rate without having resistance issues? If we can get good control post on soybeans and we till right Wait, wait, we whoa, plant- whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't throw all those questions at me at the same time. Go back to your first question. The second question was atrazine. What was the first question? Well, what is beating these? What is beating these soybeans up? Uh, yeah. Well, wait. Beating them up to me is different than stunting. So beating up 
Darren, that's back to your point about splash up with the PPO. So I circled, I, I, I circled his here. list of questions. Yeah, so well, if that just, makes just more sense. no, just just read them one at a time, and I'll answer. Well, it's them hard one at a time. because sometimes two questions go together. Well, Brian, not really. You, you just jump said on the Acuron. first one. Okay, so yep. he's, he says his pre and, that he's using for, for Acuron is only like a half rate. Should he be worried about resistance? Well, guess what? He came back with 3.6 pints of Halex GT post, and the half rate oh, of yeah, Acuron that's has right. got— I forgot, I forgot he came back with the Halex. Yeah, now he, that's definitely an overload of, of HPPD. Yes. I'll promise because you. Because the you half rate of Acuron is already a You're full rate to Meso, right? Yeah, yeah, so no, you way over way overdid it on HPPD. You got HPPD stunting. Sorry, yeah, I— I don't know why I totally missed that, but yeah, you, you yeah, please don't use that much HPPD in the future. You right. got, that's got to stop. So nope, quit using Acuron or quit using Halex. You got to quit one or the other. Yeah, yeah, one of them is fine. Right, two of them is too much. Yep, two is overdone. Okay, now here's the other thing. He said we plan to come back across everything with Roundup and either Tavium or Anthem Max Post. Uh, is that going to stunt the beans more? Is there anything I can do with that to try to help that out? Personally, my first thought is Mega Grow with Roundup definitely helps. That's patented and proven to yeah. to help the plant but, grow right. quicker through but, that. But here's the thing. When you've got a plant that's already stunted, it's not going to metabolize anything very well. So when you're 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 going to be tough on those plants, that that's that that to me is that that's hard. So honestly, what I'm thinking about if it's if it's extend beans, obviously, when he says tavium, is I might just go straight extend to max or ingenia, so I don't have more group 15 that I'm throwing out there. So I I, I it's, hard it's too bad he didn't we, call in. We talk in. about that Here's, a lot. We talk about that a lot having but, a group 15 to get more residual control yeah. and lengthen things, but when but, you've already got an overload of chemistry out there. But, you got to be But cautious. here's my question for him. Is the field clean? I'll bet you, Darren, that's the cleanest soybean field in the area. There's, There's zero complaint about the weed control here. Zero yeah. complaint about the weed control. Just, <laughs> right. just complaint that it's so, been a little hard on right. the beans. So my point is, why are we throwing more herbicide out for residual? And, I mean, even spraying the dicamba, if there are no weeds out there, then just save your money. So, but I don't know what the weed picture looks like today. So... Anyway, it, this is where, for both Darren and me, we, we really like going to the field, seeing what's what's going on, what does it look like, are there patterns, things like that, to try to identify, okay, what's really caused the problem here? And rarely is it one thing. Okay, it, it, there's an HPPD carryover, I'll promise you that. But is the atrazine lead, uh, it, making it worse? Probably. Is the metribuzin and the dual making it slightly worse? Probably slightly. Not a lot, but slightly. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that are going on here. Yeah, thanks for the question, Kevin. You probably have some follow-up questions now after that. And sure, we would welcome a phone call as well to to chat about this during the show. I think that would be interesting if, if you need any more clarification on that. Well, when we talk about micronutrients, they are essential to your crop's growth. I love soil testing for them, and I love taking plant tissue samples throughout the season to see if we're getting enough of them in our crops. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.